Namaste everyone. Welcome back to the Yoga Sutra sessions. Let us begin with an invocation. Yogena Chittasya Padena Vacham Malam Sharirasya Javaitya Kena Yopakarotamam Pravaram Muninam Patanjalim Pranjaliranatosmi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hariyom Our pranams to Maharishi Patanjali, who has given us this wonderful knowledge system through his sadhana, tapasya, and observation of very deep processes that happen within us. I'll share my screen. Let us chant the sutras. Atha yoga nushasanam yoga shchitta vritti nirodhaha tadadrashtu swarupevasthanam vritti sarupyamitaratra vrittayaf Panchataya Klishta Klishtaha Pramana Viparyaya Vikalpanidras Britayaha Pratyakshanumanagama Pramanani Viparyayo Mithyagyana Matadrupa Pratishtam Shabda Gyananupati Vastushunyo Vikalpaha Abhava Pratyayalambana Vrittir Nidra Anubhuta Vishayasam Pramoshas Vrittihi Abhyasa Vairagya just reading the sutras brings back the uh, you know remembrance or memory of whatever we discussed in the previous sessions. So we looked at the five vrittis, pramana, viparyaya, vikalpa, nidra and smriti. And the key Ways to stop these vrittis or to regulate the vrittis is through abhyasa and vairagya. What is abhyasa? Abhyasa is take that effort that we take to still the mind. Tatra sthito yatno abhyasaha. Yatna means effort. The effort that we take to still the mind is called abhyasa. Okay, this is what we looked at. 
in the previous. So, with respect to Abhyasa, Maharishi Patanjali further adds that Satu Dirgha Kala Nairantarya Satkara Sevito Dridha Bhumihi. Slightly longer sutra. Dirgha Kala Nairantarya Satkara Sevito Dridha Bhumihi. So, he talks here about three aspects. One is the duration. The second is the continuity. And the third aspect is the devotion or involvement or enthusiasm with which we take up a particular practice. Dirgha Kala, he says, for a long period of time. Prolonged period of time. Nairantarya is nirantara in a way. It means it's eternal. But here it also means it's happening in an uninterrupted fashion. Without taking breaks, without taking pauses. And satkara sevito, satkara asevitaha. So it means that practice or cultivating that kind of devotion and doing that practice with. Dridhambhumihi means a firm ground. We achieve a firm ground in our practice when we do it for a sufficiently long period of time without interruption and also with devotion. And this devotion is a very important aspect because it could be towards the knowledge system or what is mentioned in the sutras or what we hear from the guru. We looked at what there is one sampatti in the sadhana chatushtaya, in the shat sampatti called shraddha. It talks about Guru Vedanta Vakyadishu Vishwasaha Shraddha. So, unless and until we have that Shraddha, it is very difficult to progress on this path. In, modern, in the modern context, we are always exposed to the, to the thought that everything should be questioned. Yes, this logical analysis is needed. The rational thinking is needed. That questioning is needed. That inquiry is needed. But if it is skepticism and samshaya, then we proceed nowhere. In order to find out the truth, if the question arises, that's a different thing. But if it, what you can say, if doubt, if it doubts the fundamental knowledge system or the one who is giving the knowledge system, then what happens is that we are not able to progress on that. So that is why we looked at three sources of valid knowledge. Pratyaksha, Anumana and Agam. Agama is the testimonial or the words of a person who is revered, who has pratyakshama, he has seen that thing, right? He or she has seen that and they share that knowledge with us. It's a very authentic source of knowledge because they have in, you know, perceived it directly. So when we have devotion towards such a person, then it becomes easy to progress. Only then we will also have faith on ourselves that we actually we are progressing in our practice. Otherwise, what happens? We, we do it for a few times and then we have a doubt. Are we really progressing? Is this what I have set out uh, to do? Uh, will this yield results? And then we quickly abandon that process. So that devotion is the key aspect even to sustain this abhyasa. That I am sure all of you have already you know experienced this in many, many dimensions of life. Right? So long duration without interruption and with the right attitude, this establishes one in a particular practice. <coughs> in the Bhagavad Gita, Dhyana Yoga chapter, 6th chapter, okay? 
ಪ್ರಯತ್ನಾದ್ಯತಮಾನಸ್ತು ಯೋಗಿ ಸಂಶುದ್ಧ ಕಿಲ್ಬಿಷಃ ಅನೇಕ ಜನ್ಮ ಸಂಸಿದ್ಧಸ್ ತಥೋಯಾತಿ ಪರಾಂ ಗತಿಂ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ಒನ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಅಕ್ಯುಮುಲೇಟೆಡ್ ಓವರ್ ಅ ಪೀರಿಯಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಮೆನಿ ಲೈಫ್ ಟೈಮ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಯುನೋ ವಿತ್ ದಿ ಅಕ್ಯುಮುಲೇಟೆಡ್ ಮೆರಿಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಪಾಸ್ಟ್ ಬರ್ತ್ ವೆನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪರ್ಟಿಕ್ಯುಲರ್ ಯೋಗಿ ಹೂ ಹಾಸ್ ಆಲ್ರೆಡಿ ಡನ್ ಸಮ್ ಎಫರ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ ದಿ ಪಾಸ್ಟ್ ಬರ್ತ್ ವಿತ್ ಸಿನ್ಸಿಯರ್ ಡಿವೋಷನ್ ಯುನೋ ಟೇಕ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟಿಸ್ ಆರ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ಎಂಗೇಜಸ್ ಇನ್ ಸಾಧನ ತಪಸ್ಯ ಫರ್ದರ್ ಪ್ರೋಗ್ರೆಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಮೇಡ್ and then they become purified of all these material desires and attain per- perfection in this life itself so that is what uh, he talks about whatever effort we take in this direction is always going to be useful right whatever is accumulated even if it is if it means in the past birth we have done it just continuing from where we left then taking it forward really helps us to progress on this and uh, vachasmiti mishra vyasa maharishi also adds that uh, one succeeds in the practice of yoga when the effort is accompanied by uh, these four dimensions one is tapas other is brahmacharya the other one is vidya and shraddha tapasa brahmacharyena vidyaya shraddhaya cha sampaditah satkara van dridha bhumi bhavati he says when we when do we attain the dridha bhumi when do we achieve that particular firm ground in that practice when this is when the abhyasa is accompanied by austerity when the abhyasa is accompanied by brahmacharya with accompanied with by jnana and vidya not avidya by vidya and shraddha again he brings out the aspect of devotion satkara asevitah and also shraddha and this austerity is very key to the abhyasa because we need to stick to that particular practice generally you can reflect on this it's not that i'm saying anything new but many people uh, who often come to the ashram or attend our programs they always have this question how do i become more consistent in my practice i take up something and then leave it halfway i am not confident of you know completing it in fact uh, we recently we have these programs 21 day dhyana sadhana 7 day surya namaskar like that we have many programs you would see that on the first day there would be lot of people who actually attend the program uh, about say 70 80 people attend the program even this yoga sutra for that matter and then what happens over a period of time because of whatever situations it could be family situations professional situations or their own drive to attend the program or it could be even the nature and content of the program whatever it is it makes it difficult for them to stick on to that particular thing and because of this what happens whatever phala has been envisioned by the creator of such a practice the people are not able to get benefited through this because that consistency is not there then they would come and ask then how do i achieve these deeper states then we would say i asked you to do that practice did you do that particular practice then they would say no no i did it for 3 days and then i had to drop it because uh, you know somebody at home was not well i had to travel or whatever it is so the taking that anushthanam is a very key aspect very difficult also 
uh, here uh, many people visit the ashram in diverse uh, profiles there could be uh, people uh, you know who are students they could be from the vedic background or some yogic background they also visit from the himalayas and all that so they all talk about only one thing that anushthana right uh, people especially from the vedic background they say that nitya anushthanam is very key to their growth it has been advised by their acharyas and gurus but to keep up that nitya anushthana is a very very challenging process because there are so many obstacles that arise one key obstacle is ill health so they often face health issues because of which because of the food that they eat because of their travel because of their sleep cycles and all that and uh, their practice goes for a this nitya anushthana goes for a toss and uh, they seek the support of the yogic practices in order to help them to keep their keep up their nitya anushthana so this what happens is that so it's very key uh, to critically look at what is this abhyasa what is this dirga kala nairantarya and satkara sevita right and uh, another aspect when we say dirga kala it is very contextual it is also very personal in that sense for example uh, when we take up the meditative process and uh, suppose we close our eyes and uh, sit for meditation you would see that initially there were there are lot of thoughts that are going on and after some time over you know with some you know just staying in that practice you would see that the thoughts would come down and that is when the meditation happens at that time you don't engage it could be somebody ringing the calling bell or calling you for an assignment or could be a mobile phone message or whatever it is because that is the moment moment when you are actually entering it in, into the flow of that particular practice so it is very at that time you don't want to disturb so when you say dirgha kala it also means that sufficient amount of time unless it becomes an effortless process so suppose you enter the effortless process within 15 minutes of sitting sitting into that meditation then it means your dirgha kala is very different it does not mean days and months together it does not mean years but it means that sufficiently long time until which it becomes an effortless effort right so there are various ways to understand this particular thing so vachaspati mishra what he interprets additionally is that Uh, this uh, rajas and tamas keep overpowering this sadvik mind and uh, what happens is that uh, the you know these habits are always uh, you know taken away by things are surgeon uh, what you can say carried away by things so it is very important to keep up the practice so that the sadvik mind is preserved otherwise what happens the rajas and tamas always find an opportunity to enter into the chitta the samadhana chitta gets disturbed the the chitta that is still gets disturbed if we break that particular practice so suppose uh, suppose you have taken a sankalpa that you will not drink uh, tea for the next 21 days anything uh, something that you want to withdraw 
But what happens is that then you're the first two, three days, you are consistent with that practice. But then there will be a moment which is very tempting to leave that particular practice. That is when the rajas and tamas come into food. But through reasoning, uh, through whatever uh, means, uh, say, for example, uh, you just remove the tea powder from your shelf. Don't buy milk at all for those days. At least that laziness of going to the shop will help you to stay away from drinking tea. I mean, you, you find your own creative pace. And then what happens is that uh, then this rajas and tamas get overpowered and the sattvic mind prevails. Otherwise, this gap is utilized by rajas and tamas and then you get back into the older habit. again. So if one gives up the practice, the mind is overpowered again and then we fall back to the old state. So this is, that is why sticking on to the practice is very important for sufficiently long period of time. So the emphasis on prolonged practice is very high because the samskaras are never really removed. They keep coming like weeds. Just as you know, people in do farming, they clearly well know that weeds appear at different points in time and de-weeding is a constant process. Of course, now there are different methods of farming where weeding is not needed. I'm just talking about the context where weeds uh, de-weeding is done. So what happens whenever there is an appropriate situation and environment, the weeds crop up, right? So similarly, the samskaras are nearly, never really gone. As long as one structure, it could be the mental structure, it could be the physical structure, as long as one is embodied, as long as one is having the same chitta pattern, uh, these samskaras remain latent and they are also potent that way. They can flower, they can uh, you know grow at any point in time when there is an appropriate situation. And that is why a strong effort, a consistent effort is needed in order to burn these samskaras. And we have looked at the samskaras many times in these sessions, right? And uh, the smriti and samskaras. Smriti is that immediate memory where these impressions are created, right? Anubhuta vishaya sampramosha smritihi. Whatever is experienced, when it does not leave, when it is not stolen away, when they form impressions, that is called smriti. But when, when the smriti becomes latent and carried forward to the future, we call it samskaras. Right? Latent in the sense, you are not consciously aware of them. They are becoming habitual. That is why it's, samskaras are it's a habit. In fact, we really, as I told you, we released a journal for kids. A journal in the sense, a journaling book. Right? Uh, for kids called samskara, in order to cultivate the right indic habits. When they cultivate these habits, then they become, they also get impressions, but these are positive impressions and they come handy when one faces an appropriate situation. Okay? So even if we take a break from the practice, but that should be built into the practice schedule itself. Right? See people who run for marathons for that matter. They have scheduled breaks. Uh, they regulate their uh, speed, they regulate their, uh, you know, the kilometers they run, the distance and everything. But the, the break is also a scheduled break from the practice, right? And then uh, many people talk about, uh, you know, if you practice for 10,000 hours, you become master of that particular art or skill or subject or for whatever it is. There are a lot of studies that have shown different things about practice. 
So the next sutra. So we looked at two aspects of uh, you know cessation of the vrittis. Two things one can do. One is through abhyasa, and the other one is vairagya. So we looked at what abhyasa is. Abhyasa is the effort that we put to quieten the mind, to still the mind, and that is done for a long period of time consistently. So, Vairagya. What is Vairagya? Drishtanushravika Vishaya Vitrishnasya Vashikara Sanya Vairagya. Okay. Drishta, visible. Anushravika, what is heard from the Vedic revelations. And Vishaya Vitrishnasya. Vishaya means the object of the senses. Vitrishnasya, one, one who does not have Trishna or craving for such objects. Okay, Vishaya Vitrishnasya, Vashikara Sanya Vairagyam. Vashikara means having control or having or subduing the uh, senses or, or all of these desires. That is Vairagya. So one who does not have craving for the objects of the senses, that such a person is a Vairagi or this process is, that's, this thing is called Vairagya. Okay. And here there are many, uh, you know, layers to it. We also looked at the, some one of the sessions in Tattva Bhoda about Vairagya. Vairagya is one of the sadhana chatushtaya. Viveka Vairagya, Shatsampati and Mumukshutva. What is Vairagya there? Iha Mutrartha Halabhoga Viragaha. Means not having any ichha, right? For the fruits of uh, whatever we do, either in this world or in other worlds. Could be heaven, could be any other world or any other place that we are offered in. We are not so enamored by what whatever that has to offer. But more rooted in our jnana, more rooted in our sadhana and tapasya. Such when we are, when we exhibit these qualities, then it means we have vairagya. Right? Raga means affinity. Or being attached to something, a liking for something. When we say vairagya or viraga, it means that not having that particular liking or affinity towards something. That dispassion, that detachment, right? That is vairagya. So, drishta, drishta are those that are seen in this world. Whatever phala we see around us, like for example, if you do this particular, uh, say for example, uh, you know, if you exercise, uh, then your body will be healthy. If I study, I'll get more marks. If I, if I, uh, you know, uh, say practice a lot of speaking or rhetorical skills, then I will become a great orator. I will have a lot of followers. If I write well, I will become a great author. Then a lot of people will read my books. So these are, this is, these are karma and these are karma phala. So every action has a phala to it, which is karma. So whatever I do, I do a certain result orientation. Always focused on what will be the outcome of this particular act. Okay, what There is a great amount of result orientation and goal orientation in whatever I take. So that those are the drishta benefits that I see in this particular world. Anushravika are the ones that I hear about from the Shrutis. Right? Whatever is revealed in the Vedas, I hear about it could be from the Guru, from the Acharya, from, could be from the Vedas about certain phala. What are the phalas that could be given? That if you do this particular yagam, you will gain heaven. You will get a cow. 
you will get a nice bride you will get a nice bride groom your marriage will happen quickly your marriage will, will end very very quickly if you do this particular thing like that there will be n number of things of course not in the vedas some of them i am just cooking it up but uh, in the vedas there are specific karma and karma phala that are given because every action will anyway have a phala it could be towards material it could be non material benefits but nevertheless every action is tied to a benefit but if we focus only on that then what happens we become attached to it then we it's very difficult to get detached but when we are not enamored by these benefits whether given in the vedas then we are called a vairagi ishtapurtam manyamana varishtham nanyachreyo vedayante pramudaha nakasya prishtete sukrutenu bhu so what happens people who regard these whatever is mentioned in the vedas the charitable acts or the sacrifices the yajnas and everything as the greatest thing in life then what happens momentarily they enjoy heaven nakasya prishte in the back they enjoy the heaven a little bit and then eventually they come to this inferior world and uh, experience lot of dukha through that they gain enter into this or even they enter inferior worlds because of that not because they consider that to be valuable but they consider that to be the only valuable thing in life so people often misinterpret these statements they look at these statements in fact i was going through a popular uh, translation of uh, some of the sutras and whatever is mentioned in the upanishads as well and the author seemed to have taken these uh, you know in terms of that uh, look at the other philosophical uh, systems they clearly look at the post vedic era they clearly uh, you know uh, say that whatever is mentioned in the vedas is not valid whatever karma phala is mentioned in the vedas should be disregarded that is not the idea of these verses this this is in the mundaka upanishad which come in the end part of the vedas so they very much are in alignment with the vedas just that they tell you don't get attached only to the karmas that are mentioned in the vedas go beyond because vedanta it is also the upanishads which talk about the higher principles the atman through these veda karmas through these dharma because dharma is moksha karaka by performing one's duty by leading a satvik life one attains moksha not otherwise okay and but people who perform tapas and shraddha in the forest having control over their senses learn it and living a life of in um, you know, a mendicant in the sense of taking arms and taking bhiksha what happens to them they attain to great heights right they go through the orb of the sun means that surya path marga they have they have a highway open for them right and their good deeds and bad deeds are consumed to where the immortal and undecaying purusha is so they get a path directly to achieve the purusha by having tapas and shraddha meditating in the forest having complete control over their senses and leading a simple life which is not so dependent on Why you no? Know, in the materialistic pursuits, whatever one gets through bhiksha, one eats, live, leads a simple life, lives in a forest where the resources are minimal. 
that kind of a life which is completely based on renunciation is much better than getting attached to the to the falas that are mentioned in the vedas so this doesn't mean let me clarify here again this doesn't mean that one should not engage in what is mentioned in the vedas because one should lead a life in alignment with the vedas that is what bhagavan shri krishna talks about in the bhagavad gita 17th and 18th chapter keeping on he repeats what is negative uh, you know karma or what is bad charity what is a bad yagya or tamasika yagya he says whatever is not in alignment with the scriptures whatever you do which is against the scriptures that is that is tamasika in nature so it should be in alignment even in the yoga yagya valkya skriti gargi rishika she asked she is a great rishika she asked uh, uh, yagya valkya that you are talking about the state of samadhi then what will happen to our vedic rituals that we are doing are we not supposed to do them do we not do we don't do we do not uh, need to do them then he clarifies saying that in the state of samadhi there of course there is sampragnyata and asampragnyata you are in the deep state at that time you are the atman you are the purusha at that time you are not bound by these actions right but after you come back from the sthiti samadhi sthiti you will have to lead a life which is based on the vedas depending on whatever your family samskaras are there whatever is prescribed in your life. so it's very it's a very important insight to understand but nevertheless this is what is given in the upanishads not to be attached to the benefits of what is mentioned in the vedas drishtanushravika vishayavitrishnasya vashikarasanya airagyam Vyasa Maharishi expands this particular sutra and talks about a mind that is free from attachment to the object of the senses especially women food drinks and power and having no thirst for the phala that is mentioned in the scriptures such as heaven and the attainments of the states <coughs> like videhas and prakriti laya understand the limitations of these because it's not attached it clearly understands the limitations of all these and then is detached from this so what is this videha and prakriti laya so videhas and prakriti layas are slightly advanced beings who are not embodied the videhas are not embodied but still have achieved some kind some states of yoga the prakriti layas have folded you know their uh, their indriyas and everything has folded into the mula prakriti but still they will still be there until the full uh, you know what you can say the larger prakriti is destroyed could be through pralaya it could be at the end of akalpa or whatever it is right still some identity is still there that is the prakriti layer but have folded into the prakriti where raga dvesha everything has been eliminated and he, vyasa maharishi beautifully further adds that it is not mere absence of the desire which is vairagya but con a conscious indifference to the enjoyment though they may be presented before us this we have looked at in many times in many of the sessions we often quote this example of a toy right suppose you are like you know all of you are adults here so when you look at a say for example a hot wheels car right is there anything that arises in your mind you are neither attracted to it nor repelled uh, from it 
you just look at it and then you just pass by without that particular object affecting you you are not drawn to it you won't fight with your uh, you know friends uh, to take possession of it because you've just grown over it right so what happens he, he says that it's a natural state of the mind which is not invoked where the where the what you can say the desire is not invoked uh, there is this beautiful uh, story right you might have heard of uh, the story of uh, sukha who is the son of vyasa so he was walking and then there were women who were taking bath in the river and he was just walking with the smarana of the only of the brahman and he did not even notice the condition of the women that were there so detached in fact the women themselves did not feel uh, i know any shyness or they did not feel afraid in his presence because there was no trishna or thirst or there was no vikara that was formed in his mind even in their presence so it is not about a conscious control no i should not look at these women i should try to control my senses uh, you know i should not get affected because of this not that kind of a control not a forceful thing of course it has to be a practice it, it again abhyasa comes into power but there is no energy wasted in overly rejecting something suppose there is food that is you you are an ekadashi vrata when you are uh, on a vrata for the first time in the first few times and there is tasty food that is offered there on the uh, platter so what you do you look at it and then you constantly remind yourself no no i am on a vrata no no i am on an ekadashi vrata i should not get tempted by this i should not put them in this box so two things can happen one thing is you will leave without having it or the desire will be so strong it will actually bring out the existing attachments in the in the in the process of rejecting it more attachment is created and you end up eating that particular thing but when you practice this ekadashi vrata frequent i mean regularly then what happens even if food is offered or somebody is eating in front of you then nothing really happens in your mind you might feel a little bit hungry you know doesn't mean you become a you know a, a rock but you know that anyway is a process of uh, you know salivation digestive juices getting secreted and all that you are really not affected by that so it is very natural for a vairagi to be undevoured it, it is not merely the absence of desire but a consciousness of the indifference to enjoyment though they may be presented before the person so and it's not a, it's not a forceful rejection of something no i don't want it i don't want it i don't eat it for you on this it's not that kind of a force it's just a natural process of letting it go and vachaspriti uh, mishra adds to this saying that the power of renunciations renunciation comes not from being free from desires but being indifferent to them so such that the neural pathways there do not get activated when such a thing is present or when such a thing is offered okay so let us uh, reflect here for a moment and then we'll come back to the subject matter you can close your eyes and as i mentioned specific parts of the body you can relax it 
and relax your toes, feet, entire leg, hip, abdomen, chest, shoulders, arms, neck and face. Progressively bring your awareness to these parts and then consciously relax them. So ask yourself, what do you focus on whenever you take up something? Say somebody wants you to work on a project. Somebody wants you to take up a job. You want to enroll for a higher education program or you're going to school. Or your mother asks you to give a helping hand. Diverse situations. What do you usually focus on? Or you're cycling, you're jogging in the morning. In each of these, if you work towards some kind of an output, then it means that there is a very high result orientation to things. Nothing wrong, but that only helps you to deliver properly. But this result orientation can also become a habit. So letting go of that you know, focus on results helps you to enhance your vairagya. The karma phala tyaga can be done. You can reflect on this. Already you know, already know this. But just that we are bringing it to the fore. And also visualize situations when you wanted, when you had a strong desire to take up something consistently, but couldn't keep up the practice, reflect on what were the reasons for that.
there could be many reasons it could be family reasons or your own doubts or lack of will to keep it up and gently open your eyes so reflecting on these questions become important because that also helps you to think about why certain practices you were not able to hold on to and deeply go into the cause analysis first the problem space has to be understood well so whenever uh, you make decisions first you need to understand the problem space before you go to the solution space by doing a deeper analysis and thinking of why certain things went wrong what were the various factors even jotting it down probably representing it through a diagram there are a lot of diagrams uh, available like it could be a fishbone diagram right whatever it is then what happens we really narrow down on the factors that seem to be distracting us which is preventing us from being consistent and also achieving that level of vairagya that we would like to achieve right may not be that highest para vairagya but in a little whatever small sense we need to develop that vairagya it is helpful to reflect on that so there is this as we were discussing the samskaras never really die always latent and potent and hence lot of effort has to be taken to burn them that can also through detachment through practice through shraddha tapas brahmacharya and so many aspects right and uh, there is the story of jada bharata so jada bharata was a king I'm sure some of you already know this story and uh, he was uh, you know he was very deeply interested in meditating and all that so he went to the forest right and then lived there for some time and once bharata had gone to the river to take bath so there a small deer deer had also come to take bath what happened was that little deer was about to fall in the water the mother deer saved the smaller one younger one and she died in this process and she died an untimely death and uh, what happened jada bharata wanted to take care of this particular deer so he took this baby deer to his ashrama and uh, took care of it very well and every day he would feed it you know put it to sleep lie lie down next to it always keep the deer in his awareness even though he was into sadhana and tapasya very deeply over a period of time the deer grew big and he also became extremely attached to that deer and he was continuing his sadhana but always his awareness would be on the deer and the attachment grew so much that uh, one day he was dying and in that process of dying when he was dying he thought about the deer so what happened in the next janma he was born as a deer in fact in the bhagavad gita bhagwan shri krishna says at the moment of death when you think about me 
then you will attain to my loka and i will be there to welcome you that is what he says so at this jada bharata thought about the deer in fact he was a bhakta of vishnu he wanted to do a sadhana on vishnu he wanted to understand the atman but he ended up becoming a deer and uh, what a, but he only different is that he was a jati smara deer right where he was able to remember his past life so as soon as he was born and he was able to move he went back to the place shalagrama where he grew up and he lived near the temple he just ate dry grass and dry leaves so that he can die as soon as possible with minimum karma with minimum generating minimum karma phala he uh, sort of lived his life and then he died and because of living near a temple learning uh, listening to all of that was that was happening in the temple he was born as a brahmana again he was a, he was a jati smara brahmana where who, who was able to remember the past lives and because of being a brahmana he because of his family samskaras he then learned the vedas and he was able to chant excellently well and he was he had great command over the shastras but what he did was that since he knew that this the path of the shastras is a path of attachment he was already aware of his previous birth he was very very careful not to engage with the shastras nor do any kind of work so he would always roam around a lot of people would start interacting with him and start giving him work you do this you do that you tell me this you tell me that then what happens his previous samskaras he clearly knew that his previous training and samskaras will kick in and then he will again have to engage in this process and he know he wasn't sure what if i am again born as you know another uh, in another species jati ayu bhoga you know jati which species are you what lifetime Uh, uh, lifespan and bhoga what are you going to enjoy that all depends on the samskaras that are there the karmashaya that is the uh, the field of karma that has been created out of which something is drawn the prarabdha karma is drawn and then we go through this particular lifetime so he was very well aware of all these processes so he just kept quiet he was very silent he never used to give people advice he never used to attract uh, people to him but still his very nature was very attractive so what he did was that he used to pretend to be a madman that is why he gave he got the name as jada bharata jada bharata means like a madman who is very rude who is very stupid and idiotic right and that is how he used to <coughs> behave in fact he won't even brush his teeth his hair will be disheveled he will always wear dirty clothes in spite of being a learned so that he does not attract the wrong things he can just lead a life which does not gather any karma and then die that is how he led, led his life and uh, what happened was that uh, bharata like that he was living so one day it so happened that the kapila muni had an ashrama somewhere nearby and one of the kings he wanted to visit kapila muni so the palanquin of the king had to be carried and they were looking for a person free labor for that so jada bharata was called in order to carry the palanquin so jada bharata was walking but somehow what happened was that he was not walking in sync with the other people in the palanquin you you would have seen that right even in the in the uh, you know the republic day parade or whatever it is uh, you would use you if you see the boots of the soldiers shoes of the soldiers they will all be in complete sync it takes a lot of effort and practice to be in that sync right 
they even say if you are in complete sync even a bridge could break that is why they test uh, the they, they say that the minimum number the maximum number of people in a bridge and all that they test otherwise if the uh, if the army boots and they walk in sync even the bridge could break kind of right so the palanquin when you carry the palanquin the uh, the footsteps should be in complete sync otherwise it could rock or it could even fall down so jada bharata somehow you know did something and then the king was completely angry with him he said that are you not strong enough <clears throat> look at uh, don't you have the right muscles can't you not carry it properly this is what uh, he said jada bharata just looked at the king uh, and then said you are sir you are talking about the body but understand that i am not the body i am not the mind i am the atman i am the resplendent atman which is not affected by any of these this is what came out of his mouth and hearing this the king understood that this must be a great being and not a free labor for the palanquin he immediately got down from the palanquin bowed down before jada bharata and asked him for instructions at that time jada bharata gave the instructions about the atman to the king he also narrated another story which i have posted in one of the telegram groups of the king of of ribu actually so you would see that the seed samskaras jada bharata was very careful about reinvoking the seed samskaras then a lot of effort has to be taken to burn them through tapas through austerity so that they don't just come out at the time that you are not expecting them okay? so that is the process of abhyasa and vairagya so vigyana bhikshu outlines various stages of detachment so in some of the aspects is also given in terms of vyatireka ekendriya and ekagrata and all that but nevertheless one begins by making an effort to break the attachment first of all one recognizes that there is some attachment here we reflect right why did i go wrong why am i not able to you know do this with sincerity then we reflect okay i have many attachments which are pulling me here and there because of which i am not commit i am not able to commit to something so one may begins by making an effort to break the attachment the next one determines that detachment has been accomplished towards certain things while one may still needs another some more work right and then when detachment from all external objects of the senses has been achieved one begins to target the internal attachments right so this is like internal attachment means honor and pride one can be attached to the aspect that one is a great yogi one is a, one has accomplished great states of yoga that can also be an internal attachment outside you may not be attached to food or material wealth or whatever it is you one could wear a robe of a sanyasi and is not really attached to the external things but many of these people will have a, a this what you say pride that one is a great yogi one is of a great uh, reputation one has so many million followers on on social media as well as in the real world but that attachment itself can bring one down yoga prashta can happen where one gets down or is uh, what you can say demoted from the uh, you know the uh, what you can say the uh, status of a yogi so through detachment one slowly dries up this so what happens by applying detachment by practicing vairagya through the various tools of austerity 
one slowly dries up this karmashaya right say for example you have a field a farm with you and uh, what you do is that you keep sowing the seeds you keep harvesting you keep the soil fertile and cycles and cycles of farming you do then the soil becomes very fertile and whatever you put in that soil can flower right or you can get uh, you know output out of that so it means that there is continuous activity that is happening with the soil but suppose you want you don't want anything to germinate there you want to dry you know keep it uh, in such a way that nothing will germinate there <coughs> then it means that you have to not give any main or not put any effort towards maintaining it no tilling no watering no throwing the seeds ensure that it is no you don't engage with it at that time the entire land goes fallow and nothing eventually grows in the land a lot more effort is needed right and that is called the karmashaya which is the field of all karma wherever the karma is stored that's called the or the karma phala is stored or the samskaras are stored that is the karmashaya which is the storehouse of all karma and uh, by giving the desires for the giving up the desires for the fruit of action one prevents the further planting of karmic seeds and further growth of whatever seeds that are already there right so by not engaging with this process this this happens um, you know in uh, in many countries even in india starting a company is very easy right but winding down a company is very difficult so what they will tell you you have to keep the account of that company inoperational for a long time only then the process exit of that company can happen smoothly so how do you exit that company exit means you not exiting the company the company itself exist exiting right how does you, how do you do that not engaging with clients not engaging uh, you know letting go of all the employees and you also not engaging with any projects not receiving any money into the account not transacting the account when you do this over a period of time no activity has happened when the auditor goes through it it means that okay the company has not been operational for 3 years and sir now you can exit the company can exit so similarly when you don't engage with this karmashaya when you don't engage with the outer world through this continuous process through honor pride or external senses or whatever slowly 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 the karmashaya die i mean dries up and no further germination happens all that is left off is the prarabdha karma which you will anyway go through so that is what is mentioned <coughs> here as different stages and that is the, that process is okay so we'll stop uh, here for today we have covered abhyasa in vairagya in the next uh, session the next sutra is tatparam purushakhyater gunavai trishta it talks about paravairagya where one gets a uh, gets the knowledge of the purusha and one does not have any further trishna or thirst for the gunas or that is satvaradas we'll discuss this in the next session we'll conclude with a prayer om loka samasta sukhino bhavantu loka samasta sukhino bhavantu loka samasta sukhino bhavantu ओ शांति शांति शांति
ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम